Lisa, welcome to Wellish. I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, I don't want to put you through the awkward, like, tell me who you are yeah. situation. <laughs> so I have a couple questions that I like to ask to kind of gain a little bit of perspective of about who you are. Yeah. Um, so first of all, what or do you have a mantra that you live by? I do. It's it's um, a quote from one of my favorite movies. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. I so, like that. Yeah, I like I, to live by that. I heard one um, the other day that being loved isn't the same as loving, and yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. That is. That's that's kind of like analytical. You I know, have to right? Think of that. Yeah. So I, I thought it was that. cool. I heard it in a movie also. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other question is, if you could have anything you want out of this life, what would it be? Hmm, what a deep question. <laughs> um, for there to be more peace. I like that. I mean, like, I feel like a lot, a lot of people are like love or money or like all of those worldly things. But like when there's peace, you know, it just kind of makes life go easier. So mm. there needs to be more kind people in the world. For sure. Yeah. So I kind of want to get right into it today because I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about. Okay. Today we're going to be (laughs) reflecting on your experience with abuse during your four year long relationship and more importantly, what you've done to leave the relationship and heal from your experience. That said, I do want to give a trigger warning before we get started that we will be covering topics including emotional, physical and sexual abuse. Okay. So that said, how would you describe your previous relationship? (laughs) Whoo. Um. I guess I'll just start from the beginning. So pre-context to meeting him, um, I was kind of recently out of a three and a half year relationship. So it ended in June of that year, um, that three and a half year relationship. And then I started dating this new man um, December of that same year. Um, So not a lot of time to kind of like figure yourself out after back-to-back, you know, long-term relationships. But, however, I was, you know, like when you're in a relationship, it's kind of inevitable to sacrifice who you are. I mean, it's required in a relationship. It's equal, you know, parts sacrificing on each end. You have to compromise. So, um, like when you're out of a relationship, you're like, I don't have to sacrifice. I don't have to compromise right now. It's just finding myself. So, I felt like I was at a really good place mentally. I just started grad school. Um, I was eager to just like have freedom. And then I find this, you know, sexy man, you know, and he's athletic and I've always been into like the athletic type and, and um, we start talking and, you know, like that cliche quote, you know, you want what you can't have. And, you know, that's kind of how he played. It was like hard to get. And, I think when we first get into that position, you don't necessarily like to look at the red flags you see. So it just went right over my head. And I'm naive. I was a lot more naive at that time. And I was like, oh, he's so cute. Like a cute guy wants me. Ooh, you know. <laughs> and um, so we started dating. And there was, there was just so many red flags looking back now um and we'll get into those as well okay yeah the way that i believe a narcissist works is they want you or they manipulate you to push away the people that care about you 
by feeding you lies like, oh, they're not there for you. Like what kind of family says that to you or what kind of friend, you know, is a person who's there for you, but talks behind your back or so I isolated myself and that was just the beginning of the relationship. That tactic he used went through the entire four years. Any type of person, any type of relationship, friendship I talked about, there was always something like they're not him, you know, they're not him and you need me, not them. And so I isolated myself and my relationships with just people failed. And and I'm that type of soul like that just loves people, loves building relationships with people. But I I began to lose myself constantly. And you justify it when you're in that type of relationship because you love this person. This is the person you want to be with, you know. And so that's kind of like the general consensus of how the relationship went on a broad term a lot of physical abuse a lot of mental abuse and I mean it it was hard for me to even acknowledge that there was sexual abuse because I'm dating him so it's really not considered sexual abuse if I'm I'm dating the person you know and and a big thing within the relationship is those moments he knew better and we talked about it. It was like, people have worse. You have it good. You have it good. You know, there are people who, you know, are getting killed in relationships. So I justified it. That's what, I mean, I, you've touched on so many things that we're going to talk about more in depth <laughs> because like everything that you're saying oh, is that's just so. nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the beginning, but how exactly did you guys meet? So he went to my school. Um, my, I went to, a gr- it was graduate school. Um, I was a wrestler and he was a wrestler. I was going to my brother's wrestling tournament. They, they were on the same team and we like knew each other, you know, like just as acquaintances because we're obviously in the same wrestling room at the same time. So that's kind of how we met. And then we just started talking on Snapchat. So that should have been the first red flag. <laughs> But, (laughs) um, and then it kind of went from there. Can you elaborate on the dynamics of the relationship when you first started dating? Like, what were your feelings? What did it look like? I was infatuated. That's, that's kind of what can sum it up, you know, like this sexy, big muscled man, you know, and I was just like, you know, that honeymoon phase at first, you know, like you can like, when they're like shoving you and you're playful shoving and you're like ah you know like it's cute like he was very dominant and I liked a man who took charge we loved so hard more so than having those issues where because that's what I was curious of is that you would say that things were good in the beginning right I mean at the time, in my head, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I would say things were good. You know, did my family see me change right in front of their eyes from the beginning? Absolutely. Interesting. Did I deny it? Absolutely. Because <laughs> who wants to acknowledge that? Um, and sometimes you don't know. You know, like I had never been in an abusive relationship. And so you can't change what you don't know. So it's hard to sometimes accept, oh, that something that you read in in books or something that you see on tv like it's happening to you 
So I didn't, I was in denial, but it was a, it, it was good to me. Like I was happy. I was like, people saw at first, like my friends, my, my teammates and stuff saw like, they were like, you look happy, you know? Cause I was kind of just lonely before, you know, I didn't have any, like I have my like strict close friends and it's very few in this world that I have. And, and so I was kind of just in a, in a lonely spot before him. And then I had a person. I was like, I had a person that I thought was my person. Mm -hmm. I feel like when things start to take a turn for the worse, it's really easy to reflect on the times that things were good and try to problem solve where it was that things could have gone wrong. And even worse, we try to change and form that person with all of our might back into the person that we originally agreed to dating. Mm -hmm. So what were some beginning warning signs of things starting to change or things that you maybe thought were a little off? Well, that's a great, that's a, that's a great, um, point to make is I think it's in our, our nature to, as woman to, you know, be the lifesaver, you know, to be the mom, you know, we're nurturers, but, um, moving forward, like that was a problem throughout the whole relationship in internally for me is like, I'd reflect on the good. I'd be like, okay, it can be like this, so how can I change him to to get back to that? Because men are tricky. So females too, I'm not discounting that at all. You know, there are abusive relationships where it's vice versa. And um, so I don't want to take away from that either. But men are so tricky with their words, especially men who grew up in a broken family. Um, to make it seem like they are what you want based on what you tell them, and then, obviously, as time goes on, you find someone's true colors. Some of the things that I noticed that were causing problems is, like, how he referred to me. The big thing, even till the end of the relationship, was calling me bitch. Like, not even calling me, like, you're a bitch. It was, bitch, go get me food. Holy shit. Yeah. Bitch, and, and he called me bitch bitch more than he ever called me any other encouraging word you know like I don't know how many times I had the argument with him to stop referring me to as such because words have power eventually you get numb to words so like you know I can't trust him and he says I'm sorry it's like yeah those are just words but when someone's speaking to you and referring to you as something like derogatory as that it it really eats you in ways you don't realize until it's almost too late so like he would refer to me as bitch he'd get a little more harsh in the playful times pushing shoving um it was only a few months in and like he would take a while to respond to texts or he'd be going out with all his buddies and partying which you're in college it is what it is um, and I was older than all the undergraduate kids. So I was like, I'm not going to no college party and like come to find out, you know, those, those nights where like, I wouldn't get a text, but I'd be in his room, cleaning his room, getting his food. You know, he was with other girls. He was sleeping with other girls. I didn't find that out till years in, but like, and then we would, you know, we were both wrestlers. So sometimes we just like, you know, play wrestle and, um, not sexually, <laughs> but um and you know he he'd be a little too harsh you know he would 
he would have that, you know, that choke in and, and it would go a little too far. And that was scary. I know it's I my, my current boyfriend and I will play fight and it's like it is playing. But there are times that I'm like, wow, like if you actually wanted to hurt me, you could like I would be totally defenseless. And like that is just so it's such an overwhelming feeling, especially I can't even imagine being in your shoes that the person actually is starting to hurt you, that it's right. it's like, you know, that you're in this house with this person and it's kind of terrifying because they could actually do something to you. It's like they're, they're making it known that they're getting more and more control over you. Mm -hmm. And because they know, like he knew better, like he knew when he was hurting me, if I was hurting or not, like he, he knew those times where I was like, I can't breathe, you know, like let go. But he didn't because he wanted to assert his dominance. And, you know, accidents happen sometimes when you're laying and you're both like hitting each other from behind. Like I would do that because I'm just like playful sometimes. And he'd hit back and he wouldn't know you're turned away, you know. So you hit me in the face. I'm not mad at that. You know, those things when it's when I truly can sense that it was an accident. Sure. It's just a, a little like tap. You accidentally got me in the eye. Ooh, But when it's like you're looking at me, your arms around my neck like, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm a 230, 40 pound man of just pure muscle and she's 130 pounds. Like I, I shouldn't have my arm around her for that long. Right. You know, so. And you also, I feel have, you know, the energy, like, you know, yeah. that things Absolutely. aren't fun anymore. Right. And it's like that little moment of, of, of fear mm-hmm. when it's happening and then, of course, when they realize you're actually hurt and that goes all the way back to the manipulation, it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. Like, and they coddle you and they make you feel better. And then we watch a movie and he gives me kisses. And, you know, then I'm like, I justify it. Mm-hmm. But that that's that was just the start. Well, you know? so taking things a little bit heavier, do you remember the first time that he hit you? Jeez, oh, it was... There are moments that he hit me that weren't as extreme that happened so often that um, I can remember. Yeah. So like the first serious time where I felt um, fear was one time, he, you know, we were play fighting and he choked me and he didn't let go. And and when he let go, I fainted Oh my! God. and I blacked out. I just dropped to the floor. And that is, if you have ever been choked out, I'm sorry, unless it's in a sport, because then you ask for it. But (laughs) like, if you're doing MMA, it's okay. But um, it, your whole body, like when you see the cartoons and it's like stars and spirals and black and sparkles, that's what it is. You have no control over your body. And that was scary. And then moving forward, the first time I can remember him actually like, hitting me was after I had a breast surgery actually and I had it was an intense recovery it wasn't a wasn't fake boobs <laughs> it wasn't um I I had a reduction and and I'm a, she said quite the opposite actually right. yeah the exact opposite so I my 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 frame is small because I'm 410 and especially at that time I was I was light and 
So my entire rib cage essentially was just sutured from the inside. So, and then um, he like, he, he back handed me in, in one of my breasts and it was maybe a couple weeks after the surgery and it's a six month recovery. Oh my God. And I was just like, he knew where my weakness was and he still, he didn't even consider to be precautious about that. And then, so as far as the non-minor times, well, I would say they were all major, but like it got worse. So the first time he actually, you know, like beat me and like hit me in the head and all that. Um, do you want to get into this story? <laughs> Cause it's intense, but, um, it's up to you. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> so, well, like, absolutely. I'm going to fucking tell you. Yes. <laughs> so it was like two and a half, three years into the relationship. And so I'm sorry. So this, these like, quote unquote minor things those were happening before the two to three years consistently yeah, yeah he'd smack me in the face a lot um just like bitch me around like okay. i was a little rag doll pull me by my hair drag me by my hair those it's sad it's so sad that i'm considering those are minor but so those things was it that you guys were fighting oh yeah um some of them some of them we're just like, that's how, like, even if we are in good moods and I just said, like, how I felt or, like, said, like, had a reaction to something I didn't like. It was always me being, you know, negative or angry or mad or starting problems. So, like, it it only took, like, a snap of a finger to trigger him. So we would fight, yeah, and I would cry and cry and cry. And I would, like, after he'd hurt me, I would like wrap myself around his legs because he'd want to leave, mm -hmm. you know, and I beg him, you know, that's how like dependent I became on him mm -hmm. because I felt like I had no one. I would beg him and not let him like not let him leave. And that's where it, it began to like show bad traits of how I was acting because like and how insecure I was. Mm -hmm. Eventually, like, I, I ended up bringing lots of stuff over there because I was always there. And he'd put it in garbage bags and bring it all the way outside and leave the garbage bags there on a, on a college campus, mind you. So, like, that's embarrassing. That, that my pride just would, like, shatter. Like, mm -hmm. his friends in his dorm room could, like, hear how he was treating me. And that was mind-blowing that no one ever stepped in. Really? in the four years. No one ever stepped in or cared or was like, yo, man, like, that's wrong. Like, you're treating her wrong. And I don't know if it's because they sensed, like, they feared him or it, they just didn't care, mm -hmm. you know? And, like, if I'm that Samaritan standing around and I'm hearing a woman crying and getting hurt by a man that she has no chance against, like, I'm going to step in. I'm going to call someone. I'm going to do something. That's interesting. So he lived in the dorms? Yes. When all of this was happening? Yeah. He, he moved a few times throughout. Um, but but always, always with other people. Always around people. Always around people. And nobody stepped in. That's interesting. Yeah. Even, like, when he had a, a, a room to himself, like... Those walls are dirt thin. It was a dorm room. Sure. You know, next door could hear. What was your two to three years, that story? That story. So we were broke. We were always on and off. Okay. You know, he, he actually told me like maybe less than six months into the relationship 
because he wasn't from where I went to school. Um, so when he'd go home for like, you know, holidays and stuff, he'd barely talk to me. And he told me one time, he, he was like, I want to fuck other girls. And when I go home and I know that I won't be able to not, so I don't talk to you to justify when I get back. Oh, we weren't technically together. I was barely talking to you. Was that a relationship? No, I, I wanted to keep you. And I knew that if I, you know, made it seem like we were in a relationship, which we were, you know, like you wouldn't want to be with me, you know? And I was like, what? Right. What? Am I not enough? You know, mm-hmm. like if that's the case, then why are you with me? Right. You know, hundred percent. But it was so hard for me to ever just be like that because he would just be like, oh, I'm I won't be right. It's like they know that you'll still be there. They like the fact that you'll be there to be in his room, making him food, cleaning his house, doing all that kind of stuff. Right. Because he'll have that from you, but then he can go and fuck everybody else. Right. He can have his cake and eat it, too. Exactly. You know, and and that's not how the world is. No, that's disturbing. Because you're going to lose me. So you're not going to have your cake. Right. You know, and I'm the one doing your homework. I'm the one buying you food. I'm the one cleaning your room, cleaning your clothes, folding your laundry. And then the time that should have been mine, you're fucking other girls. So is that what started this fight that he hit you what, majorly? No. Kind of. It plays a role. So that's why I, I went into that. Because um, the initial like first really fight we had was around was that same time. Like he had just came back and... You know, I got a message on Instagram before he he came back to see me. And, you know, when a female receives an Instagram message from another female, it's are you dating this person? My heart dropped. Oh, God. That is just the worst message. It is. It's crazy because that whole day, like, I woke up, I spilled my coffee while I was driving. I... I was supposed to go to the gym. I drove to the gym parking lot and I was like, something is wrong with me. I feel so shitty. I'm just crying in my car. Like there, like this day is the worst. And as I pull off from not working out, just chilling in the parking lot, trying to get myself in the gym, I get that message. And I'm like, wow, the world is trying to tell me something. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, I got all the receipts of, you know, him meeting up some girl no. that sucked his dick and no. blah, blah, blah. And all this, all this shit. He's trying to deny it at first. So I'm, tr- I'm like, yo, you can't deny it. I know how you talk. I know your dialect. I know your word choice. I know this is you. He, w- he tried to say that they saved his, his name as his phone number and it wasn't actually his phone number. And I'm like, yo. It is going to be much better for you if you just come out. The excuses that they come up with. It's it my, blows I had me. the receipts. Literally. I had the <laughs> but he comes up with every other way that it couldn't be him. Fuck you, dude. Right. Oh and I was God. just like, I was devastated. Yeah. You know? And then like. You can't he, even have the decency to just give me the peace of mind of the confirmation. Did on on that phone. And, That's good. And you want to know what's crazy is like the girls were like. Eventually, when I decided to stay with him, the girls that, you know, were like, and and this was when he would post me on Instagram. So that's how they found me. Mm -hmm. Eventually, three years of the relationship, I was ghosted. Like, I was not on any of his social media. But maybe, like, once in a while on a private Snapchat story or something like that. But I actually came at them 
um, once they were like, girl, you're stupid for staying with him. You know, they were just kind of looking out and hindsight, like I, or like if, if I could change like and thank them now, because they were just looking out for me. I, I agree with that, but I've had girls say the same thing to me because I was in a relationship with a guy who cheated on me for a while and that girl, same thing that girls would send me messages and they would do the same thing that if I didn't leave, they would like, I don't want to use the word bully, but like, that's kind of how it felt is that they would shame me. Especially at that time. Yes. And and that's why I came out. And that's why I like freaked out on them. But I feel like, because you don't know what my relationship is. I feel like there's ways to go about it. Like, I don't think that you should say that to somebody. Like, I think if you're trying to be helpful, you can send the receipts and be like, just wanting you to know whatever you do is whatever you do. But like, like, don't get involved in the personal aspect. You've already been involved personally. So like, fuck you. You did enough. Right. It was actually her friend. And then I asked if I could have more details. And so her friend gave me her number to text her. Okay. See, because I needed those receipts. A hundred percent. I needed to ensure like this was it. And even, even at that time, a little, a little part of me doubted that they were telling the truth until he confessed. Yes. You know, but so that's kind of how it went. So moving forward, we were always on and off. Like that was the, the big start of the problems. This is the first major time that I feared for my life. We were broken up. It was two years in. My uncle had passed away um, the August before the December we started dating. And that was my first real loss. So that is one area like you could like he would come at me about my family and how shitty they are and and my friends. But like if you come at me like about that, like that's that's a big no about my uncle who has passed and he had cheated on me. I found out like a girl answered his phone, blah, 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 all this stuff. And. So I was like, I'm done. And I was like, fuck you, man. Like, I am done. Like, of course, he comes in and he's trying to, like, coddle his way back in. You know, like I said at the beginning of this, like, you know, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't treat you like that. I shouldn't treat you like that. And I I didn't accept it this time. You know, I was like, no, fuck you, dude. And he got mad. And so he was like, you know, fuck your dead uncle. I hope he burns in hell. And. Oh my gosh, I went off because anytime we broke up the millions of time prior to this, I didn't talk to any other guys. I didn't, I didn't hang out with any guys, give any other guys my attention. I might have downloaded Tinder just to get swipes to piss him off, you know, when we were broken up because I knew that's what he was doing because I'd get screenshots of all the Tinder girls that he was meeting up with and all this stuff. So I was like, fuck you. Right. You know, I want to regain some power back. Right. Not that it was the right way to do it. There is a mature and not mature way to do it. I am in by no means innocent in this because, I mean, it's called reactive abuse. You know, I was reacting to how I was treated, but I still knew better. You know, I knew I should have just removed myself and did it there Um, because it's not in my nature to hurt other people. Like, I don't want to do that, but I was hurting so bad. And I knew, I knew eventually, you know, like, I'm not going to be able to stop talking to him with how I feel about myself right now. So I knew, like, I knew he wasn't going to be out of my life. But when he said that, I was like, fuck you, dude. And so it was like, I don't know exactly the time frame, especially brain injury. But I had slept with someone after we had broken up. And like Round of applause, genuinely. Right. I'm impressed. (laughs) (laughs) It was not. But um, I, I didn't do it because I liked the dude. 
I didn't do it because, I mean, I wasn't proud of it. Like, but what I took out of it was I regained a little bit of power. Like, I knew this guy that I slept with wouldn't want any strings attached. There would be no strings attached. It was literally, like, we had, we were, me and my ex were broken up for a couple weeks, and, and I just, like, needed to, like, feel like I had a little power, you know? And that's fucked up. It really is. But if he knows that, if the guy that I slept with knows, like, that's what, that's what this is, and he's okay with it, then it's mutually, you know, there's consent mutually. And that is what caused the fight. Because after he said that about my uncle, I was like, fuck you, I fucked someone else. That was, that was not good. He showed up, you know, to my place. I had my headset on. I worked from home. I was on a phone call. And he just went off. He was, and I lived in the basement with my dad at the time, actually. And the only reason I lived with my dad at the time because I wanted some accountability to not be around him. You know, because my family knew I was hurt at this point. They didn't know that he beat me because I always denied it. But he punched me in the head. He spit in my face. He headbutted me. He... He did, and it was cement, you know, so I just stayed to the floor because I knew if he hit me hard enough, my head would hit the cement. So I just stayed down, you know. That's smart. Yeah, I I don't know how I thought of it at that time. Instinct, instinct, instinct. It was so scary. I was like, he went through my phone and he hit, I was on a call when he initially hit me and he hit the headset right off my head. And... I was just like, I knew this was going to be bad. Like, before the punches ever came, before the headbutting, the spitting. Like, imagine just the person you love spitting in your face. Like, And I was like, I'm going to die. He actually got dropped off to my place. And so he had no way back. So he took my phone. He made us drive my car, but he drove because obviously it was in no place. And I brought my dog and I just held my dog the whole way because I knew he would hurt me more. And he still did get a- around the dog to hit me and like backhand me in the face, backhand me in the face. He took my phone. He he worked third shift at the time. He went to work and I drove straight to my brother's and I was a mess. Like my face was a mess. Like shockingly, I mean, I had scratches that were like a little bloody, but like I wasn't bleeding a lot. I was just bruised a lot I was just bawling and he was like I need to I need to call the coach I need to call the coach I need to do this and I'm like no no because nothing scarier than a person who has nothing left to lose and he's already scary and I call him from my brother's phone and I'm like I need my phone you know because he wanted to go through to see if there was anything else I was lying about oh so you're saying because if he called the coach he would have he would have lost that and then he would have nothing he would have lost a scholarship he would have dropped out of school he would have had nothing okay Okay. So, and then and he, he always told me like, "You ruined my future you. for my family." You know, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's like, "It's outside," you know, outside the doors. And I was like, "Okay." So me and my brother, we drove there. We picked it up. It smashed to pieces, just like obliterated. So that was kind of like the first time I feared for my life. So I think a lot of the time when abuse starts, it's if it's not blatant abuse of us getting hit, we kind of sweep it under the rug. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean more of emotional or mental abuse. 
we kind of chalk it up to like, oh, we're just arguing or, oh, I love you so much. So we're so passionate about each other or even like this is what working on a relationship is. And like these are the lows that we're working through Um, or even something as simple, I feel like, as manipulation to get something you want, like something as simple as just more time, like that you want to be with this person all of the time. So you're going to control them into thinking that they can't be with their friends or can't be with their family. So in your opinion, is there a difference between a toxic relationship and an abusive relationship? Hmm. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think they go hand in hand. What do you define as toxic? Like a, in a relationship, like someone who is in a relationship and doesn't necessarily know about abuse in, in a relationship could say like, oh, he didn't go buy me food when I asked and that's toxic, you mm-hmm. know? But when you really define toxic, that means there's some sort of abuse in the relationship, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, and they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's red flags, that means he's he could be invalidating your feelings and not be toxic. And that's abusive because emotionally he's making you feel like how you feel is invalid. And that that's emotionally tolling on a person. So toxic plays into abuse. But it just really depends on the type of abuse. You know, there's different types of abusive relationships. But abuse is abuse. Right. Neglect is neglect. If if you're a toxic parent, you know, are you abusing your kid? Yeah, you are. Right. That means they're not getting something that they need. Can you give an example of an emotionally abusive statement that he said to you and then kind of rephrase it into what would have been a healthier way for him to ask you or say something to you? Yeah, that's going to be a more complicated one because anytime he said something emotionally abusive was mainly in an argument to hurt me. Okay. He even he would even say like acknowledge like, yeah, I say these to hurt you because I know it'll hurt you like you fat leprechaun ass bitch. Like your family doesn't even love you like you have nobody. You're going to do nothing in this world. But what was like, he saying that for? Like, was he trying to, to hurt me? Like, literally just to hurt you. If I ever act like if he like stood me up, for instance, and I was mad about it. And to him, it's like my reaction needs to be OK. <laughs> you know, but if I if I showed any. What's the word I can say if I ever stood up for myself or I showed any bit of confidence like oh you want to act tough now bitch oh you want to act tough now and then he you know like all right and then he'd say those things to hurt me and I would never insult his family I would never I'd call him a bitch I call I'd say fuck you you're an asshole you're cheating blah 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 but I would never like come at his I even to this day like I would never, and I'm not going to say never, because have I said some mean things? Sure. Yeah. But, like, (laughs) the things he would say to me, like, I wouldn't say to my worst enemy, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, you're nothing in this world. You, you're, like, any insecurity I had that I would confide in him about, he used against me. So, as far as, like, there were instances we had constructive conversations though so to get back to your question like a lot of the times where I would vent to him about like obviously I don't feel good a lot of the time I have a lot of head trauma a lot of emotional trauma like and I'm working through it and that's a constant struggle and 
Um, but like you're complaining all the time. All you do is fucking complain. I don't want to hear it. And to hear that from a man you're dating is sad. Mm-hmm. It's so sad because you're supposed to be my person. Now there is over complaining, but like I just told you a little bit about my life. Like you can understand why I was miserable. You know, there could have been a constructive way to say it like, hey, I love you and I know you're hurting. I, I hear you and I want to be there for you. But let's like let's try and change your mindset. You know, let's try and think some positive. Let's like like speak 10 positive things over ourselves right now. If he was ever trying to give me advice, it was like in an insulting way. Like, well, then you need to study more, you dumb bitch. Like, how about like, hey, let's go to the library and let me help you study for an hour. You know, it's so easy to be respectful. Right. He treated strangers better than me. Mm -hmm. Like he had more respect for strangers. And this was before I even, you know, was with anyone else. You know, it was way before it. Yeah. You know, like he's. He sabotaged my whole life. Where is the line between expressing yourself through anger and being emotionally abusive? Whew. Expressing yourself through anger. So you're saying like react, reacting in an angry situation. Yeah, because I think obviously you have a right to be angry. So where is the the line? Where does it turn from you're angry to being abusive? Yes. When respect goes out the window. Because anger is a natural human response. You know, when we're angry, it is valid to feel how you feel most of the time. However, it's what you do with your anger. So when you start insulting me, when you start disrespecting me, when you start gaslighting me, when you start making it my fault, when it was really out of my control, like that's when the line is crossed. When you start calling me names. That's when the lines cross. There is a way to communicate when you're angry. Some people need to take a step away, calm down, get their thoughts together. That's how you properly address that. Or some people when they're angry need to go hit a workout. Like, let's go to the gym real quick. Blow some steam. If you need to be alone, I need to respect that. And that's where like my toxic traits come in. Because when he does get angry, I know like I don't speak. Like I shut down, but like, I knew, like, I wasn't getting through to his head when he was angry. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was no getting through. He was blackout Mm -hmm. in anger. And that first time, that major time he beat me, I saw the blackout. I saw the rage, you know. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of when the line gets gets crossed. You have every right to be angry if I told you I fucked someone else. Yes. But why did I do that? Right. Why did I do that? Right. And instead it was like, you're a fucking whore, you slut. You fucking just want attention from other guys and blah, 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 and all this stuff. But how many times had he done the same thing before that? I got a video of him doing it. Like, come on. Right. Come on, sir. Right. We're not even officially dating right now. We're broken up. We're not even talking. But to him, I cheated. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because I still belong to him. In my opinion, something that is overlooked way more than it should be, and you talked about this when we first started talking Mm -hmm. a little bit, is the sexual abuse in relationships. Mm -hmm. It's like once we get into a relationship, the partner or one or both partners thinks that they are entitled to have sex with you or that the need for consent weakens just because you're in a relationship. Sexual abuse can exist in relationships no matter how long you've been with a person. 
if you do not 100% want to have sex with a person, you 100% do not have to have sex with that person. Does not matter Absolutely. that you're in a relationship with them. Doesn't matter if you're tired. Doesn't matter. Right. So can you talk about your experience with sexual abuse in your relationship? Yeah. Um, it took me till this year to, to really accept the fact that there was. Now, <laughs> going into a little bit of my sexual past, like before him, it was it was really boring. It was vanilla, you know, and I didn't know because, you know, like I didn't know what there was out there. I was like a little shelter girl growing up. So being with him was my first like crazy like experience on having fun and sex, you know, like making it enjoyable. But eventually um because i mean when people say like are you a freak that's what now i would define myself as like in the bed with the person i care and i'm comfortable about i like to do fun like within reason things and it spices it up but there's a line now that i always fear because it got to a point where he took pleasure in my pain that's how he'd get off he'd take pleasure in me saying no and that's some sadist ass shit. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, you know, I can't stop him. I can't push that man off me. Right. Or else he gets angry. And we both know from what I've said today, what happens when he gets angry. And I would just lay there, you know, and I would just have to take it. And even if it hurt, even if, like, like I said, it got him off quicker if I was in pain. Sometimes we'd smack each other during sex and it's sexy, you know? Yeah. There was never an instance where we slapped each other that I, that I probably wasn't mad about it. But, <laughs> I mean, choking me is fine unless I don't want to have sex mm -hmm. because the endorphins that are released, the, you know, adrenaline when you, like, are being choked and you want to have sex is like, I will pass out. Let me pass out. Mm -hmm. This is great. You know, <laughs> like, okay, yes, um... But when you're in a mindset where you're like, I'm really not like, I do not want to have sex. Then it turns into pain. Your your body reacts differently. So and that's more where the, that line is, is that you yeah. just didn't want to have sex at all. I didn't. And that's where the pain. Because it would be no. after a moment. He told me he just fucked some girl three days ago <laughs> or just had his dick sucked by some girl. And like, I don't feel good about myself. Like, and it's not like you're like giving me kisses and you're like. Oh, I love you so much, and I'm so sorry. It's like, suck my dick, bitch. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. No, suck my dick. And then he'd want to fuck. I'd be like, no, you know, like, no, like, I don't want to. Like, I'm I'm not in a good state of mind. And, you know, I, I couldn't stop it. I couldn't push him off. I couldn't. And it's, it, it was many instances where eventually, like, once he started, you know, I, I got into it. And, I mean, not even that's not even okay because – my body, you know, your, our bodies sexually react to that, you know, like that's our natural, we're meant to reproduce. So that's a good point. I don't even think that that was okay. I feel like with that too is when he's having sex with you, especially in a scenario that he was telling you that he was with somebody else three days ago, not only do you not feel good about yourself, you're not in the right mindset, but also it's almost like that's what you're thinking about when he's having sex with you. The whole time. Mm -hmm. the and whole like time, that obviously like, does not help you. That was the on. hardest thing is like visualizing him giving parts, a part of him that belonged to me to someone else who didn't deserve it. Right. 
And to explain that to a man such as himself, <laughs> that's impossible. He would even ask me at times, like, can we have a threesome? Like, I don't know if I can be monogamous. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. No. My body, myself belongs to the person I'm with. Yes. And I'll be damned if you want me to watch you fuck another bitch. Sorry. Right. See, see, and that's where like being with someone for so long, I I picked up on his traits because it just it made me such a negative person. I am sorry. Women are not bitches. <laughs> they are not. You know, there are women who are. <laughs> but <laughs> like I shouldn't refer to them as that. And so I apologize for that, but it's just mind blowing, honestly. Like, no, I do not want to see my man be with someone else. And I am not going to be with another man or another female. I think, too, when they ask that question, that's a problem. Like, I feel like if it was something that you brought up, like that you were like, hey, maybe we could have a threesome. Or if he brought it up, but in not the relationship that you guys were in, like in more of a healthy way that you were like, Hey, this is something I've kind of fantasized about. Let's try this. Right. Would you be open to that? There's a good barrier of trust. Right. Mm -hmm. We're like, if you know that he fucks bitches behind your back, but like now he's going to do it in front of you. Right. Like it's not something that's a good stupidity. (laughs) Like I just don't understand. Okay. (laughs) So dumb. Okay. So how has the sexual abuse impacted you? (sighs) That's still something I'm figuring out, to be honest, Um, because I push away any type of closeness to me. I mean, I won't consent to anything, even if I feel a spark, you know, like I it's scary. It didn't impact me the same way that the physical abuse did, even though it is physical abuse. But like the actual times he would hit me. Because that is like, if you come in my personal space and I sense a bad vibe, get the fuck out. I, I'm carrying now. So a pistol, not a baby. <laughs> um, and uh, I think we need to protect ourselves. But the sexual abuse, since I, I told you that I, I kind of have just been accepting that. And since I moved here, I, I haven't had my therapist. So it's really hard to work through that when I am now just accepting it but it really what I can tell you is the impact it has is on my self-image if I sometimes like even just now like or looking in a mirror I'll just see myself crying and saying no at that moment you know and it makes me feel worthless it makes me feel like I'm not a human I didn't have a say I couldn't stop it and that's hard. Do you feel that, like you say, like that you couldn't stop it? D- does it come more of, from a place of like shame? Shame. That you feel. I was going to answer for you. I was going to say shame, but <laughs> I didn't know exactly where you were going. But it's shame, yeah. especially because I put myself in that situation. Right. And and that's what a lot of this, this is a very like hard topic to even discuss is the fact that I blame myself but you can't fully blame yourself. But to say that I didn't know better after the first time we playfully were fighting and he choked me and I fainted, I did know better. I did know better. I was in therapy. People told me to get out. People told me he was going to kill me. I I fucking knew better. And I put myself in that situation. Mm -hmm. But people people can never understand the fear of leaving someone who could kill you 
And when it was good, it was great. But when it was bad, it was terrible. It was tragic. Do you feel that the reason you didn't leave was more from the fear of him killing you or from the fear of having to let go of the relationship? Both. Mm-hmm. Um, both. I would say more of letting go than the, the, the physical thing. Um, because after the times we'd break up and I'd be without him, the physical fear goes away. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to be around. It's letting go. It's letting go. It's letting go of the fact I gave so much of myself for what? Was there anything you realize now that you may not have realized in the moment regarding the sexual abuse? Getting up to acknowledging that I was sexually abused because we'll take it from that point in my life before I realized um, I was in therapy when I did and I was telling her about instances where I would be like, no, no, no. And, you know, on I didn't consider it rape. <laughs> like, I, I didn't. Because he was your boyfriend. I didn't at all. And then I was like, the more that I thought about it, because that's, you know, therapy, you know, triggers your thought process and, and, incur- and challenges you to think in different ways. And I was like, I, I said no. Mm-hmm. Like, we were working through, like, my, my self-image and my, my shame and the fact I blame myself. And I was like, I said no. Like, it should just be no. If, like, I tell you I've had a long day, like, a long, hard day, it should be okay that I just want to rest or lay in your arms, Mm -hmm. you know? So I realized that, like, we've already talked about it, but that just because you're in a relationship doesn't make it okay. And even if it's not the act of fucking or sex itself, any sexual thing that you don't want to do you don't have to do i feel one of the hardest things in all of this is feeling incredibly alone would you agree with that yeah so you can't tell anybody because they're gonna judge your partner or ultimately just judge you for being in this situation so how long did you allow this to go on before other people started to suspect or know and was there ever a point that you ever like confided in somebody and told somebody my family always suspected that ties into a whole nother thing which we can get into another day on why they suspected because it's a whole different topic they also saw a change in me like I said at the beginning and that's a motherly instinct you know I don't fault my mom at all for having that sense or my dad however after one of the times he hurt me I remember or maybe he cheated on me I told my sister or something and and so all my family knows. So I'll just put that out there. My whole family knows. Not to the extent of how everything happened. But they know that I was abused. And the reason they know isn't because I told them. Somebody else did that I trusted. Was that like a friend or? That was. So we broke. Me and me and my ex broke up um, officially. And then I started dating someone else. Of course, you know. It was a rebound. I will acknowledge that right now. He was a rebound guy. But I thought at that time, since I was finally getting attention, oh, this is the man, you know. Mm -hmm. So I tried to explain to him why he cannot raise his voice at me, why he cannot physically ever do anything to hurt me because he. it's so hard to explain to another man you think is going to be your husband. Like, when we're arguing, don't raise your voice like that, you know. 
And so I sent him something I had saved in my phone. And when I broke up with him, he sent it to my, my mom. And my mom sent it to my whole family. And, and that was not her place. It was not her place. I did not want my family to ever have to go through that. And I didn't want to have to feel bad for my family going through that because of something I went through. And it was just a, a heartbroken man. I wasn't even with him for long. And um, I did tell my close friends, only a select few, and not even they know the extent of how things were. Have I told anyone in the past two years really about anything that's gone, out, gone on with anything regarding him? No. What was the most common reaction or advice that people would give you? Nobody, maybe one or two people gave me advice that I could receive because most of the advice is you need to leave. Oh my gosh, get out of the relationship. What are you doing? You're so stupid. Get out. You know, like, why are you still with this man? Like, you think I don't have those thoughts? You think I don't ask myself that a million times a day? You think it's that easy? Mm. It's not. Mm-mm. And that is what I will tell to any person in the situation I was in. It's not fucking easy. And you don't need to listen to people who make you seem stupid for being in that relationship. Because you already know. You already know right. you're making the wrong choice. And it doesn't make you stupid. It makes you alone. It makes you a human. And you're hurting. And you need people to just validate your pain because nobody else in your world does not even the person you're loving right now how did the reactions of your friends and family impact you it made me feel more alone it made me go back to him it made me stay with him like they don't need mainly my family like the the judgment i would get it that's a whole new type of pain when i feel betrayed by my family it was a way deeper pain than feeling betrayed by my ex. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing you shouldn't do with a person who's already on rock bottom or at rock bottom is kick them, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's how I felt. I felt kicked even more. That's why I moved. Oh, really? Yeah, I couldn't stand being in such a toxic environment anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of it was a fresh start, but part of it was because I felt so judged and hated because I'm a human and I made a mistake you know it wasn't like how how does this make you feel Mm -hmm. the one person and this was someone I told recently about it it was it's a co-worker of mine and I told him about the last time I was hurt by this guy by my ex and he was like what did you take from it and I was like wow he hears me Mm -hmm. like what did you learn Mm-hmm. And I was like, for the first time I've told someone and I felt like, and just the way he asked the questions, you, you sensed the care, right? You know, right. It wasn't a, it wasn't a person who I was interested in. He's in a relationship. It wasn't like that. It was, I can't stand holding this in anymore. And I need to tell someone that that can hear me. I do think that that's interesting that it was a man too. And yeah. that he had that reaction. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. It was interesting. And you could just sense, like, he didn't talk about it, you know, because I was at work and, like, he didn't talk about it, like, and keep asking me questions and tell me I'm stupid. He didn't do any of those things. He just empathized with me. Right. 
And that's all I needed. That was so therapeutic for me. Like to just be like, how are you feeling? So how, what advice or what do you wish someone would have said to you? To be honest, depends on the person, but I wish they would have just hugged me. I wish they would have just taken some of the burden of my pain off. You know, not that that's anyone's responsibility. It's not, that's not what I mean in that way. I mean, a hug can do so much. Or I wish, like, as far as words, like, I wish they would have been like, I hear your pain and I'm sorry. And you're strong. I, I, some of the medical things I'm going through lately, um, I, I, I've been keeping my manager up to date and he was like, this is what he said to me. And I've worked for this company for less than two months. And he was like, if there's one thing I, I know, it's that you, from the very start, like you are a woman of strength and a joyful personality. And when facing adversity, you know, when facing issues like that, like you took the right steps. It's just all in your mindset. And like, just to remind me that I'm strong, that I can do this. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. I need encouragement to build me up. I don't need people telling me that I'm wrong, that I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. All the things that I already feel about myself. They're validating the bad parts of myself when they do that. Yes. I need positive validation. And do you think if you received that, it would have helped you leave? Absolutely. I would have felt stronger. I didn't feel like I had the strength. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't feel like I had support. Right. I didn't feel it at all. I felt like I was just doing something, you know, my mom told me to do like when I was a kid, like clean your bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, nobody wanted to clean their bedroom. Right. You know, so it's like I needed strength. A big part of this, too, isn't just the opinions of other people, but the opinions that you have on yourself, mm-hmm. which is basically where we're at now. <laughs> we're yeah. just talking about. So one of the biggest reasons for staying in a toxic relationship is because you want to fucking prove that you weren't as stupid as you feel or other people made you feel for sticking with this person or making excuses for this person's behavior for this long. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the ways your partner treated you that you told yourself were okay, that looking back now you realize were not okay? How he spoke to me, how he referred to me, how he addressed problems, how he communicated his problems, his issues, how he projected his trauma onto me and made me pay the consequences for it and never never took responsibility for his actions Mm -hmm. that's that's my answer so you told yourself that it was okay that he acted that way because of those things yeah yeah manipulation right 100 percent. it was all manipulation what were things you thought about yourself that are not true (laughs) i have no worth i don't have people that love me i am fat i'm ugly i'm a bitch I'm a this, that, I'm a leprechaun ass bitch. Anything he told me to hurt me might have hurt me a little more because I felt like it was true. But your mindset has power and that's what I've been working on to overcome is those aren't true. I have many people who love me. I am strong. I can get through this and I I do not need a man to validate my worth. That is something I affirm every damn day is I have value I deserve love I am loved 
Yes. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't need a man to tell me that I am or I'm not. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what were things you told yourself about your partner that weren't true? He loved me. Good answer. I think he loved me to the extent he knew love. But that that doesn't necessarily mean that's love. Right. You know, Um he had love for me. Yeah, I will. I will acknowledge that. But he, his view of love is so distorted. And I was raised in a way to see love, not to make this any biblical or, or anything, but like how Jesus loved and, and to love unconditionally. And people, listen to this. You need to find someone, the person you are going to spend your life with, needs to be a person who understands your love language and how you receive love and how you give love because you will you will constantly butt heads if you're like this is what makes me feel loved but but they're only he can't, giving you love yeah yeah he, yeah he doesn't he's not there they're giving he gives love in the way he, he wants to receive it right right and that and doesn't it's, work it's not it's not it's what love languages are about <laughs> I know something that you really wanted to talk about was those fear-based patterns. So can you elaborate on routines and patterns you practiced when you were in the relationship? Honestly, throughout the relationship, fear was the root of anything that stopped me from doing anything. The only thing I could really get through in the relationship was school and work. School and work. Couldn't, couldn't do much else because I feared. But some patterns that I used to kind of get through the relationship. Like, cause not everyone can survive something like this mentally. No. It's, it is not easy. Even though I feel like I didn't have anyone, I did. And I utilized my people, even if I didn't feel supported, even if it was just like physical, like a physical being being there, you have to utilize your social support. People aren't meant to get through life without it. Can you think of any patterns that routines and patterns that you would use that were more unhealthy, like things that would get uh-huh. you back into? It's my worst and best trait is that I'm so forgiving. And I forgave him for things that I shouldn't have or necessarily didn't even forgive, just like invalidated myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a big fear based pattern. Um, invalidating myself and listening to the words he spoke over me to justify that it's okay and I miss him anyway. That's an interesting one. It's it's freaking nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So you would just invalidate yourself and to make his word more important, basically. Yeah. That he was more right than you yeah. would have been. Yeah. Like he sees what I can't. Right. You know. Right. Right. What patterns still show up today or are there patterns that still show up today yeah absolutely it is hard for me to allow anyone close because of the fear of investing so much of my heart into someone who can hurt me like that and that's scary because all i've wanted since i graduated high school was to have a family find love and be a stay-at-home mom well that's still in my core now i've worked too hard on my education to be a stay-at-home mom so (laughs) suck us but it is so hard for me to allow anyone close because i'm so scared that people aren't who they're saying they are right to trust people right and that's that's the core of the 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 patterns that i i still go through today is it is very hard for me to break my walls down 
and I'm working on it, you know, as I affirm the positive things about myself, it helps. As I prioritize myself and my health, it helps. But it's not something that happens overnight. Right. Doesn't it doesn't happen in weeks, it doesn't happen in months. There's no time set um when you when you can break down those things that are stopping you. And I don't think you'll ever stop working. No. To I, break them down. I really like to focus on progress over perfection because I think that that was an issue that I had in my mental health was that I always envisioned this like grand ending, like that there was going to be this place that I was healed and perfect, (laughs) right? And I just don't think that that ever exists. It's always going to be a cycle and a flow and ups and downs and you just have, it's just that how much of that are you experiencing? Like if most of the time you're happy, then you're probably doing more. Okay. Right. Exactly. But when you're in situations like your previous relationship, it's like most of the time you're not good. So Mm -hmm. what are you going to do to try to fix that mindset? Like you're saying is so powerful. Progress. You have to take pride in your small victories. Yes. I got out of bed. I showered. I got to the gym and you be proud of that. Be yeah. proud of yourself for like the things that you couldn't do in the relationship. Like make a fresh meal for yourself. Just the small things, you know, because if you can't value the small victories, how are you ever going to be able to value the big ones? You put one foot in front of the in front of the next and you wake up another day and you be grateful and that's just something to be proud of. Progress, you know. I I lived another day. Mm-hmm. I am grateful for that. I told myself that I was beautiful today and I haven't felt beautiful in a long time. Take pride in that. Yeah. Take pride in in reading 10 pages of a book that make you feel empowered. Mm-hmm. Take pride in watching a podcast that's you know speaks on life. Mm-hmm. You know like you're ne- there's no such thing as perfection. Perfection is accepting that there is no perfection. Right. You know like accepting the fact that it is your choice daily to grow and to get through it and to choose how your day goes. Yes, 100% I agree with exactly. you. That's exactly what wellish is. That's why it's well-ish because it's like <laughs> yes. you're doing your best, but right. it's that's not ever okay. going to be perfect. Right. It is okay that you're not whole right now. Yes. People just like want that instant gratification of just like feeling perfect and better and yes. it's, it, that's not an attainable goal. Strive for things that are attainable, you know? Mm-hmm. So I agree. What helped you in recognizing these patterns when you were more following the unhealthy patterns? I always knew better. And I think that's because of the type of person that I am. My bachelor's is in psychology, so I'm, I'm naturally a thinker. Like, us females, we are naturally overthinkers. <laughs> so that helped <laughs> a lot because... I like even throughout therapy, like she's like, you, you, you know what you're doing. So that, you know, I always knew better. What do you do now to try to break the habits? Prioritize myself, prioritize my growth, my goals. Like I have goals. The first one is get my health right, because if I'm not right, I can't meet any of my other goals. First and foremost, set goals and, and create a plan to reach those goals, regardless if the goals is to lose weight, regardless if the goal is to, for the next 90 days, write 10 positive affirmations every day. Regardless if the goal is 
to is something career-based, you know, career-oriented. Regardless of it, set goals. Because that gives you something to work towards every day. And that's how I'm breaking these patterns, is utilizing good people and valuing myself. Because I didn't feel valued. And that's why I let myself fall apart. Right. Okay, so just because... The fear-based patterns were something I know you were really passionate about. Was there anything else that you want to touch on with them? Yeah. um, I think just like in general, a lot of people don't understand the impact on how being in a narcissistic relationship impacts you as far as fear. I think just like in, in a general, like even to this day, I fear doing certain things like like I like it feels like I'm still stuck in that relationship sometimes talking to another guy you know for instance like I still fear having conversations with other men why why you know and it's okay like we just said like it's okay that that's how I'm feeling because I will get through it but like I think people just need to have more grace and understanding when it comes to who you're pursuing but also, there's a lot of creeps out there. Amen. Ladies. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> um, fear is something you're constantly going to be working towards overcoming mm-hmm. when you've been in the place that I've been in. It is the rest of your life that you're going to be choosing to overcome it. Mm-hmm. Regardless. And that's why I said take pride in those small victories because you're not going to be o- overcoming the same fear your entire life. But there are suppressed emotions that we don't even feel, that we don't even know might exist, that are going to come to the surface. Because trauma is a bitch, and it's going to be something you constantly have to choose to work through. This is what we talked about when we went to coffee. So a lot of the time, people, even though we didn't even fucking drink the coffee. (laughs) We didn't even get the coffee. (laughs) A lot of the time, people make the excuse of mental health or trauma to excuse their behavior, exactly like how you were just saying. When in reality, there is no effort towards self-regulation or self-improvement. And by using that excuse, time after time, they're just cheapening the mental health conversation. So what were some excuses your partner would tell you? My partner would tell me? Yeah, like when he would do something bad to you, what were some excuses that he used to give you for why he was acting the way he was? Oh my gosh, that's when gaslighting comes in because the excuses were that it was my fault. Mm -hmm. You know, he hit me, but it was my fault because of what I said. You know, he cheated on me, but it was my fault because I didn't want to have sex with him that one night. It was my fault. Like I said, he never took responsibility Everything was on me. I took that burden. What were some common things you would tell yourself to excuse your partner's behavior? I loved him. I gave so much of myself to him. And it's, a, it's, it's simple. Like We can get into complex things of sure little things that I would tell myself. But when it came down to it, it all came down to the fact that I invested so much and I love him so deeply. Yeah. And I know y'all y'all are thinking, how can you love someone who treated you so badly? But I did because he also protected me in instances. And that was also something I used to justify it. He would protect me in, in a life threatening situation. In your opinion, how heavily does mental illness or trauma play a role in these issues on the abuser's behalf? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And that I used to justify as well. You mm-hmm. know, like, like we mentioned a little earlier, but like I justified his upbringing 
and how he treated me. And that's not okay. Um, that's very manipulative, especially in the way he would tell me about his past wasn't to help me understand. It was to manipulate me. But it's in my being to have empathy when someone tells me something like that. We're nurturers. We want to make them feel better. Mental health, if, if, especially because he was a black individual as well, especially in the black community, it's so overlooked. There's that mindset that they're weak. You know, they can't let their pride down and show weakness, you know, and that's really sad. And I really feel for him and I really feel for any minority that has those problems and and really prioritizing mental health. But like you said, that's not an excuse to treat you badly. It was you're an adult. You know what's wrong from what's right. You take responsibility for your actions. Right. How about on the person who's being abused? Almost the same in a different way. Um, hundred percent. If my mental health, if the way I saw myself was of worth and value, my mental health was stable or at least stronger, I would have never allowed myself to go through that. Do you think that it was deteriorated from the beginning of the relationship to the point that you were like deep into it? Or do you think you already didn't have good mental health before you were invested in the relationship? Before the relationship, my mental health was growing and it was a constant daily growth and I saw that and I worked on it and I was feeling great. I was at a really good place. It deteriorated as I was spoke down to every single day about who I am and what I'm worth Mm -hmm. and who I have. Mm -hmm. It completely deteriorated. So you were in your relationship for four years. I feel like it can be so easy to blame yourself for staying in the relationship for as long as you did, especially because they make us feel like it's our fault for the way that they treat us or that they treat us badly. Like you've said so many times. (laughs) Um, Rihanna has a quote that says, never underestimate a man's ability to make you feel like it's your fault for their bad behavior. And I just like, I'm obsessed with that quote. You go girl. (laughs) Rihanna. Yes. So after the first hit, why did you stay? I believe in second chances and manipulation and you know at the at the first hit you know he it's a I didn't mean to and you believe that because it's never happened before you know and then the second time it happens and you're like okay it's never a perfect you know stride to changing parts of you you don't like so I justified it you know he's working on it it hasn't happened in this long it's okay And then it just keeps going and going and going and going. And it's manipulation and isolation. And it's a it's a narcissist relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, it's being with a narcissist. That's interesting that you say, too, that that the first time it's he says, oh, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. The second time it's like, oh, okay, we're still working on bettering ourselves so I can justify that. And then at that point, you're so invested in it. And that's when everything else you've talked about kind of takes over. Yeah. And that narcissism and the love bombing and feeling like you'll be lost without that person is already so right in that relationship throughout the time they're working on it working on it (laughs) um they're they're putting you down Mm -hmm. you know so they're isolating you throughout that time as a part of their manipulation tactic right because then when it happens again you're like oh but all they have is them Right. It's just a negative cycle. I like that you said that only because I think that that's a real answer. 
Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of the time. It's what I went through. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. and I feel like the, a lot of the issue with relationships like this is the not understanding why a person would stay, not understanding why yourself would stay. And that's a very tangible, real answer. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's very scary, terrifying, scary. but powerful yeah. because it, I think just having the awareness of what's happening can make a really big difference yeah. for somebody going through it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. What would make you want to go back to him? I was never the one leaving him. He was the one leaving me. And since it happened so much, I never really thought we were broken up. But when you tell me he did something, his justification would be, you know, oh, we weren't together. But to him, I always belonged to him. But he could do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. So he had his cake and ate it too for long enough. Mm -hmm. And I would just accept him back in because I didn't leave him. In my head, we were still together. But, you know, he'd leave when he'd want to go fuck some other girl and go party and dance and grind with other girls and team other girls with his friends. And did that happen? Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's pathetic. Oh, my God. Pathetic. And so, but then he would just come back and yeah. say, oh, when he Teresa, needed something. I love you. Please come Yeah. Back. Oh, write my 10 page paper. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Write it. Do my homework. Do my discussion post. Okay. I probably took half his courses. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what was the final straw? I just got sick of it. I just, I got sick of feeling so miserable about myself. Throughout the times we were always on and off, the longer every time it would happen. And like at, at first, you know, I'd be begging for him back. And then the more it happens, the more you're just numb to it. So you're like, all right, it goes a little longer. And then you get back together. And then the next time it's a little longer. And then you get back together. And then it's a little longer. And eventually... He stops reaching out and I stop reaching out and it's just been months at that time. And then one of us goes through something hard in life and we reach out and then we see each other and then we're like, oh, I miss this. I miss feeling okay in your arms. I miss, you know, I miss when the times were good, you mm-hmm. know? So it was kind of just that cycle until I mentally knew to lead with my head and not my heart what's best for me versus how I felt Mm -hmm. and that that took you know that triumphed everything else I think that when we go through things like this we have this pressure on ourselves to we know that this isn't the relationship we're supposed to be in we have to end it we're going to end it and you just like can't find the will within you to do that because you're so infatuated with the relationship or with the person until it just happened right so it's like It's not something that I feel you can put so much pressure on yourself to leave because you're not going to do that until you're ready to do that. Right. Even the many, 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 many times I was like, I know this isn't the relationship. I know I need to leave. I know I need to not reach out because after he'd leave, because if I reach out, I know it's going to end up, you know, back in the same cycle. But I didn't want to hurt him. Even though a lot of people like listening to this might be like, dude, that that dude deserves to be in prison. I, I don't believe anyone deserves to feel what I felt. And I don't think anyone deserves to go through what he went through either. Not And that doesn't justify what he did. But I just hate hurting other people. Right. And what would hurt him? Are you saying? Actually leaving him. Like I knew when I told him I fucked someone else that destroyed him. Well, it destroyed his pride. So mad. Right. Right. Yeah. And... It made him see that I don't need him. Yeah. And that hurt him. Mm-hmm. 
So how have you not talked to him from then on? You just still like you guys fell off again and you just have never reached out ever again. Like, I'm just curious, what was that mental switch for you? Or if there's any tactics you used. He kind of like he kind of ran out of things to hurt me because I was so used to it, you know, besides the physical aspect. But he knew I didn't take a lot of his bullshit. He knew I knew when he would hit me like or when he was getting to that point or when I knew he'd get mad like I could read him you know I knew his tactics and I didn't allow myself to be put in positions where he could use them I got smarter I was valuing myself more I was in therapy even though I'd have a relapse you know per se that's what I'll call it of missing him my head grew stronger and it really came down to me accepting the fact if I don't do something, my life won't change. It's not going to change. Right. I'm in control of my life and I determine how my life, what, what path I go. Right. And I didn't want to be in that path anymore. I'm, my age played a role. I'm 27. Like I wanted to graduate high school and have a family and kids. Like, <laughs> like shit, I'm 27. I'm almost 30 and I have no man. I mean, my career's been started, but like I want to have something to build. Do you feel like you thought that you were going to get married and have kids with this guy? Or did you think? I hoped. Okay. Did you think that that was actually going to happen subconsciously? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. That's yeah. what I thought. Because I feel like a lot of times. I was very fearful to get pregnant. Really? Because that is one of my biggest fears is to have a child with someone who, number one, isn't going to be a good father and is going to turn his child away from either parent. I don't think that's how a kid should be raised in a broken family. Like, we're just setting the child up for a failure. Not that kids who were raised by one or the other parent fail. I'm saying I want to instill better values and better morals than that for my child. So what did you do or what do you do now to keep yourself away? It's hard. It's really hard, Um, especially being alone in a new city. I accept being alone isn't always a bad thing. And I accept that this is just another struggle and I've made it through so many hard things. This is nothing. That's interesting. Choose your heart. Yes. Choose your heart. Um, because, I mean, I, I still am working on building value for myself. So that's constantly, you know, something that I, I, I'm going to have to work on. But if I'm feeling low, I distract myself. You know, if I'm feeling lonely, I distract myself. I write um, on a sticky note, you know, regardless if it's on my MacBook or if it's an actual sticky note, 10 positive affirmations. And I look at myself and I tell myself, I can get through this. I can do all things. It's just another day. It's just another feeling. So that's incredible. It's hard, though. I'm not going to like discount like my heart feels it. Yeah. You know, for sure. I'm telling myself, but my heart still feels that pain. Right. So I'll sleep or I'll go hang out with my roommate. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll stay busy. Mm-hmm. Do things to distract yourself. Right. Art. Like I love art. I love music. I love the gym mm-hmm. is my therapy. How has this impacted you today? It made me stronger. I used to not be confrontational at all. I used to not like to speak up or do things by myself. And I became very independent and I became very, if you disrespect me, respectfully, I'm going to call you out. Do not disrespect me. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the president of the United States. I don't care 
what authority you have or how much money you make, respect is respect and we all deserve it. I became a grown up and learn how to take responsibility. What has helped you the most through your healing process? Realizing my own strength. Because I could say it's that I went to therapy. I could say it's that, you know, I worked out. But really it comes from inside and realizing those things that he said aren't true. And that takes strength and that takes courage. What would you tell someone in this situation? It's okay. You, you just worry about making it through another day. You worry about valuing yourself. Begin to love yourself again. And I love you. I, people love you. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are loved and you have value even if you can't see it. And that's okay. You'll get through it. You'll come out of it. That's, that's awesome. And get the fuck out of the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that your life is better today and in what ways? Yes. I have more to show for. I am proving to myself, not to him, not to anyone else, because I do not give a shit what anyone else thinks or if they want to invalidate me or not because my worth isn't defined through you. That those things that people said I couldn't do, those things that people said I am, that I am not, I'm proving to myself that I'm more than that. What is something you used to value but no longer do? Ooh, I love these questions. <laughs> um, this is kind of sad because I used to value people way more. And this is something I'm working through. I used to see everybody as, you know, good. And now it's like I look at you and I'm like, yeah, you're telling me this, but do you beat your woman? Like... Do you cheat on your woman? And the cheating in this society these days, it's its absurd. It's insane. It's People insane. do not value loyalty. Mm-mm. One bit. Loyalty isn't just mentally or it's not just like, oh, if the cops like come, you're going to have my back. You know, it's physical too. I think because like now if I go to the gym and I see guys looking at me or something, I'm like, oh, yeah, do you have a girl at home? Like, does she know that you're sitting here looking at me like it makes you just like question everybody? Yeah, it's pathetic. What is your perception of your ideal self? My perception of my ideal self is that this is this is a good one because it might sound necessarily like it, but that it's okay if not everyone likes you. I'm not going to be liked by everyone. That is the world we live in. Mm-hmm. I like myself. I like my heart. I am strong. I I can, I have been through, for what it seems, one of the most tragic things a human can go through. And I'm standing tall, even though I'm 4'10". <laughs> I'm standing tall. And, and I'm doing this on my own. Yeah. You know? And, and if I can get through something like that, I know all of us humans in this world are capable of so many good things. Yeah. But my perception of my ideal self in the future is to make a change and support people and have grace to love others. Is there anything else that you want to add? Don't be in denial, people. Accept what it is. That's it's never going to change. No matter how many times they apologize to you, it's not going to change. If a man wants you, you'll know. And if he tells you he loves you and is beating you and cheating on you, he doesn't want you. And and it's okay because someone will and someone will value you and someone will love you and someone will make you feel safe. And that's that's the most important thing.
Teresa, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) 